0: And welcome to the Road Trip Sports Podcast. My name is Harrison Crook and I'm joined today by my co-host, Oliver Gilmore. Ollie, how are you doing?
1: I'm good Harrison. I'm excited to get into today's episode. We're traveling across the Golden Gate Bridge to San Francisco.
0: That's a lovely bridge to travel over. It's uh, it's actually a city with both been to it's the first city that we're going to talk about in this series that we've both been to so it's going to be very exciting to compare our experiences uh to compare all the little uh details that we saw uh and it'll be exciting to hear about your recent trip to san francisco to watch some warriors games
1: yeah i traveled to san francisco in december of 2021 um so just a couple of months ago we went and saw two golden state warriors games um did a lot of the touristy sort of stuff there as well but overall got a little bit of a sports experience so i'll be able to share that with you guys today
0: yeah, perfect. Now, if you like what you hear, uh, you can follow us on all the socials at Road Trip Sports Pod. We've got lots of content coming up on our Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok pages. Specifically, the TikTok, there's been lots of videos going up lately, getting lots of attention. So make sure you follow us on all of those socials to get all of our content. Now, we're also on YouTube. You can find us by searching Road Trip Sports Podcast. Um, all of our videos go up there, as well as our full podcast episodes. Uh, if you've got any questions, Inquiries. If you'd like to uh, reach out, send us any uh, details about your trips, send us any voice recordings maybe of stories you'd like to tell, or if you've just got any fan questions for us, you can reach out to us. road uh, Roadtripsportspodcast at gmail.com is where you can reach out to us for any emails and the like. Uh, now, Ollie, would you like to tell us all about San Francisco? Yeah, so just some
1: fast facts and information for you guys as usual. Um, San Francisco is located in the state of California and is the 17th largest city in the United States. Uh, when, now, when I think of San Fran, a number of landmarks come to mind, including the Golden Gate Bridge, their cable cars, former Alcatraz Federal Prison and the Fisherman's Wharf, which has some of the very best seafood in the world on offer. Did you Have you tried San Fran seafood at all?
0: Yeah, I remember when I was on uh, Fisherman's Wharf, uh, we just went to the, um, do, you, do you remember the big sports store uh, on Fisherman's Wharf? Did you I ever do, yeah, one? I've yeah. been there. Huge famous sports store. Um, so we'd just been to there and we went to um, went to a little like cafe sort of shack sort of thing um, and had one of their crab bisques inside the big uh Big buns, big buns. Yeah, the big buns. dampers.
1: I'm not a big seafood fan, but it's just one of those things. You've just got to try it. You have to and do it when
0: you're there, for sure.
1: It's some of the best seafood in the world. So, And, you know, whilst I could talk about San Fran's attractions all day, I could sit here and talk to you guys about it all day, we are here to talk about sports. And San Fran is home to a number of teams, including most notably the Golden State Warriors in the NBA, San Francisco Giants in the MLB, and San Francisco 49ers in the NFL.
0: All great teams with a lot of um, lot of storied history uh, with those teams, yeah.
1: Lots of history, lots of world championships. So we'll have a direct focus on those teams and, and hopefully give you a little bit of an insight into what the city is all about.
0: Yeah, for sure. Now, uh, we're... Only going to focus on San Francisco this week. We're not going to talk about Oakland. We're not going to talk about San Jose either. Uh, we're probably going to save those for future episodes, maybe even do a deep dive into the uh, the death of the Raiders being in Oakland and what led to that sort of demise, uh, which would be a great uh, idea for a podcast. So if you like that idea, make sure you reach out to us, let us know, and we can, uh, we can address that in a future episode. So we're going to leave Oakland and San Jose out of it for today. And we're just going to focus on the Golden State Warriors, San Francisco Giants, San Francisco 49ers. Um, now, first of all, for those who don't know, Ollie is the biggest uh, Golden State Warriors fan I know. Uh, it rivals very closely to his love for the Green Bay Packers. Uh, so, Ollie how did you become a Golden State Warriors fan? And are you a bandwagoner? <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm not a bandwagoner. Um a lot of people, when I tell them I go for the Golden State Warriors, they sort of looking at me like, oh, you haven't been supporting them for that long. You know, jumping on the Steph Curry, the the Kevin Durant, Klay Thompson bandwagon after they've won all the championships. But I actually went and saw the Golden State Warriors in 2008. That was a really good experience. We travelled out to Oracle Arena in Oakland. Um, they've since moved, which we'll talk about just in a moment. But yeah, that was, that was a super... Cool experience, and that was when I first became a Warriors fan.
0: Yeah. So, who were the star players there in 2008?
1: Um, well, look, that's the thing; they didn't have a lot of star <laughs> players. Uh, Monte Ellis was there. Steph Curry had just been drafted. Um, he was drafted in 2007, and I'm sure we'll get in, into him more today. Um, but they had Monte Ellis, Andreas Bedrins was their big man, and you're thinking who? And probably right. Um, but yeah, they had a lot of a lot of role players. Um, pretty average sort of team, but. Yeah, I went and saw them watch, I went and saw them play, rather, against the Los Angeles Lakers and Kobe Bryant. Um, Kobe actually hit a game winner in overtime wow. to beat the Warriors.
0: Wow. Yeah. Pretty cool to see, even though you're not a Lakers fan, pretty cool to see a Kobe Bryant game winner, hey?
1: Yeah, now since we've lost Kobe, it's always good to, you know, have a Kobe Bryant memory and that's that's mine, so super fortunate there.
0: Um, for sure, for sure.
1: Yeah, the second game we went and saw um, was, it was the following night, usually when you travel and you watch basketball games, you try and line up those back-to-backs. But we saw the Warriors again play the Houston Rockets. Uh, The Houston Rockets featured Yao Ming and Tracy McGrady, and he was actually the guy that hit another game winner, this time in (laughs) double overtime to beat the
0: Warriors. You sure got your money's worth. Two overtime games.
1: Yeah, for sure, for sure. And that probably should have been enough to turn me off the Warriors, you know, two gruesome losses. You know, they weren't a playoff team at that point. Um, but yeah, look, it, it, I, I kept, I kept on ship and, uh, they won me some championships since then. So glad that I did.
0: Yeah, for sure. It's been a great ride for, uh, the Warriors fans that have stuck around for the whole ride. Um, there are a lot of Warriors fans though, who, um, have come to the team recently. What are your thoughts on bandwagoning as a whole and specifically like bandwagoning to your team? Do you resent those sorts of people? Do, are you just happy that... The Warriors are a national team and they talked about a lot. What are, you, what are your thoughts on that?
1: I think it's difficult. I, I suppose it depends on, on what, um, what fan it is. If you're jumping from another team and saying, I now support the Warriors, I've always supported the Warriors. I'm not a fan. But I've noticed that a lot of young kids have started supporting the Warriors. And can you really fault them when you've got Steph Curry, who's one of the most entertaining players of all time to watch. They've got Clay Thompson had Kevin Durant at one point and they're just a great organization with a great coach and they're easily the most watchable team in the NBA, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, for sure. And Steph Curry's that sort of, um, I don't want to use the word icon because that's coming up, but he is that sort of icon for the kids. He's the one that uh, they all look up to. It's LeBron's such a physical specimen. It's hard to picture yourself as a LeBron, but anyone could be Steph Curry. It's sort of like the Spider-Man of... Of the NBA, anyone could be Steph Curry. Anyone could see themselves in that mold. Um, obviously, you'd have to practice for years and years to not even be ever as close to Steph Curry. But he's so relatable, and everyone wants to be like Steph Curry because he is someone that you can see yourself in that mold.
1: Yeah, that's it. And you, and you can't hate, you can't hate NBA fans and basketball fans for wanting to support the Warriors and wanting to watch Steph Curry play. I mean, it's just fantastic in person and on TV. He's had so many memorable moments. He's just been a great um, ambassador for the game. hes he, I, he, I think he's changed the game. We, we, we see, we see kids sure. now pulling up from 30, 35 feet. Oh, like, that never happened. 33 point, three pointers weren't even a thing 20 years ago. Now, that's just it's taken over the game completely.
0: Yeah, for sure, for sure. And you can definitely credit that to uh, to Seth Curry. Now, you recently went to San Francisco... Um, in December, like we mentioned before. Um, do you want to tell us about that trip? You saw two Warriors games, I remember.
1: Yeah, so once again, that back-to-back, I went and saw the Suns, um, the Warriors play the Suns, which was a nationally televised game. That one was really good. They end up getting the win. Um, and then they lost against the Spurs the following night. A bit flat usually on that back to back,
0: and they just weren't able to get the job done. Well, they got the it was the big uh, G up to get that win against the Suns. The Suns coming off their uh, NBA Finals appearance, um, it was probably really it was a big win. I remember I remember watching it uh, watching the game because I knew we were there, and um, it was a really big win for them, and a really they got up to to get that win. Uh, so probably coming down on the downslide against the Spurs caught him at the right time.
1: Yeah, well, that game, the Suns game, that actually played him two nights before um, and they lost that game. You know, Curry was flat, the team was flat, and you just knew that they were going to come out a different team on their home court.
0: Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, now, you s- mentioned that you went back-to-back games. Is that something you'd recommend to people when they do go to see a game in the States? Would you recommend trying to tee up one of those back-to-back uh, game experiences.
1: Yeah, especially if you're a, if you're a fan or a supporter of a particular team, you've got to always try and line up those back-to-back. So they may play on a Saturday, they always generally always play on an on a night during the night. Um, so catch that Saturday game, then catch the Sa- Sunday night game or the Sunday arvo game. But the best thing about that is it gives you, say you arrive on the Friday night, you've got all Saturday to sort of do all that touristy stuff. You watch the game, you wake up do all the touristy stuff again on the Sunday, and then you can still catch the game.
0: It'll also be good as well. I know um, you were stressing prior to your trip about wanting to see both of your teams win. You want to see the Packers win, and you want to see the Warriors win. Um, stacking those back-to-back games probably allows you a bit more of a chance because they're also not going to put two like unbeatable teams back-to-back on you most times. So you might be able to catch like a, a game, like a really highly broadcast game against a really top team and then you might be able to catch a game against a not so much team that you might get more of a chance to win at
1: yeah and another thing is that usually as you mentioned they're not you don't get two huge opponents and the best thing about that is that tickets can sometimes be cheaper on one night compared to the other like the Spurs tickets were a lot cheaper as compared to the Suns ticket being tickets being that nationally
0: televised game. So you got. I remember talking to you. Did you get? Uh, what sort of tickets did you get? Did you? Is there a strategy of lining up which ones to fork out for and which ones to um, sort of hang back on?
1: Well, I suppose that's sort of your own um, opinion and what you'd rather like. There's a lot of different ways you can do it. Like you can spend more money on the on the Suns game, the the better, arguably the better game. Or you can spend more money on the Spurs game and get a much better seat. It's sort of like a value for money thing. Whatever you think's the best, but I don't think you can go wrong.
0: Yeah, there's not a bad seat in the house at uh, most basketball games. Hey.
1: Yeah, no, especially the new the new Chase Center, um, as we mentioned before. I think we mentioned it before.
0: I think we did. Um. Now, how was the Chase Center?
1: Yeah, the Chase Center was awesome. Um. When when did it open? It opened about two years ago. Might have been three years ago now. See, look, it's um. It's one of those things where with COVID it's sort of like taken away your experience at the stadium sort of thing like.
0: It's the same with Sofi in in LA being the first season uh back there. It, yeah, you're right. It it you don't realize how long they've been around. Like it still feels like some of these teams, it's their first season because they actually can get fans back for the first time.
1: Yeah, that's it. And I, one of the things I loved about um, the Chase Centre was One Warrior's Way. So that was the address. <laughs> yep. But the best thing about it was we were in, sort of just staying in, in the city as as most people do and it's it's sort of towards the wharf area and you jump on a, a train or a, a tram or whatever. You could even jump on a, on a cable car if, if you went early enough. But um, you jump on that and... You travel a couple of stops and it's legit. Chase Centre, there it is. Um, and and you're there sort of thing. So, really, really good experience. I love San Francisco as a city, but a great sporting city as well.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, for sure. Now, um, is there anything else you'd like to talk about about the Golden State Warriors experience?
1: Um, no, I don't think so. I think the Warriors are, are a great organisation. I, I don't know if they do too many tours there as such, but I... I would recommend doing that or anything worries-related. fan
0: experiences or anything outside the stadium or...?
1: Yeah, they've got a lot of um, fan experiences. They do, they sort of have like different nights. So, it might be like Mexican night or bobblehead night and they'll always give you something sort of as a bit of an incentive for for rocking up to the game, um, which is really cool, so...
0: Yeah, awesome. Awesome for the kids as well as something to take home and... Uh, put on the shelf at home.
1: Yeah. And I believe you've been to San Francisco before. So did you want to tell us a little bit about, about your trip?
0: Yeah. So I've been to San Francisco quite a few times now. Um, I've been, I've been with my family, I think twice. Um, and I also went on a trip with, uh, with school um, on Good USA. That's actually where I uh, met my partner. Shout out to Sarah. Um, but yeah, so I've been on quite a few trips to, to San Francisco. Uh, and on the most recent one, I went with my family. We actually went there the year of, uh, Super Bowl 50 when Super Bowl 50 was held at uh, Levi stadium. Oh wow. And it had just opened. So, um, it was very hard to get in to do any sorts of tours or anything, see any games because it was pretty much just full steam ahead for the Super Bowl, but we did actually get to go visit uh, the outside of the stadium and get some pictures there at uh, Levi Stadium. It's actually quite out of the way. Of, yeah, Santa Clara. It's, it's almost San Jose. Like it's, it's about uh, 45 minutes out of San Francisco, so it's a bit of a drive to get to. Um, so if you're going to see a, a Niners game... Probably wouldn't recommend being in San Francisco itself because it is going to be so packed and congested, all the traffic getting back to San Francisco. Maybe try and stay in in a San Jose or something. Although then again, the hotel prices might be fairly high in there. People might be trying to do that as well. But um, it was really cool stadium, modern facilities. Um, yeah, it, incredible from the outset. It, look, it fits so much into that. Uh, the culture of that area the like silicon valley sort of tech hub uh sort of culture and it's a it's a really cool stadium to see yeah well i note that
1: the the new warriors chase center and and the the giant stadium are right near the water is is levi's sort of like that as well or is it as you mentioned a bit more industrial sort of thing
0: it's definitely a bit more industrial there's lots of um the tech hubs sort of around the area um so it's not quite as on the water and picturesque uh in terms of location but the the stadium itself is look fan looking fantastic
1: yeah that's great yeah I've, I've always enjoyed san francisco so this is my message check it out
0: yeah for sure it's a great city it's a great place to watch a sports game i visited as well the um the san francisco giants stadium um visited that a, a couple of times actually now and uh, went in the team store um as well for that so i haven't i was can it was the worst time for for a sports visit because it was off season for baseball football was just ramping up into playoffs um so it wasn't the best time to see any games when i went to san francisco but still tried to experience as much sport as possible like i said definitely recommend the sports store on fisherman's wharf fantastic no matter what team you're a fan of there's stuff for everyone uh that's definitely a must see for a sports fan
1: yeah for sure for sure
0: um, great, so I think that's just about it for talking about San Fran itself. Now, here is where it's going to get tough because we're going to talk about the icon of San Francisco. Yeah. And we have had some discussions, uh, pre-show meetings. We have tried to be knuck- like n- nail it down all week of who the icon is. And I still don't think we have an answer between us, so we might have to hash it out today.
1: Yeah, I think this is one of the hardest weeks that i can think of you know even looking towards some cities that we may talk about in the future you know such iconic such iconic sportsmen from both codes of nfl um nba even mlb as well so
0: yeah i think because we've got four finalists but we've got two we're going to debate today you could make an argument for any of these four to be the icon of san francisco uh, but let's get into it now. So our finalists who we're not gonna to debate today, we've got two who are shortlisted um as our as our finalists, if you will. First of all, we've got Jerry Rice, the prolific wide receiver uh for the San Francisco 49ers, uh three time Super Bowl champion with the Niners. He also won a Super Bowl MVP um in Super Bowl twenty three. Uh it was a two time NFL offensive player of the year, um, ten time first team all pro. He was the best wide receiver in the league for so many of those years. Incredible talent. Um, Some people call him the greatest wide receiver of all time. Some people call him the greatest football player of all time. Uh, Have you got any thoughts on Jerry Rice?
1: I'm just a bit disappointed I didn't get to watch him play. That's all I'm going to say. You know, 16 seasons for the San Francisco 49ers, and that's what delivers to that icon status. When you're able to spend most of your career – At one team you know he's inducted into the bay area sports hall of fame um and he is that icon of san francisco and is that icon of the san francisco 49ers and he's not tough to he's a tough he's tough not to get the win here you know being that receiving yards leader so many times dominating the competition um who could stop him really that combination of speed and power And you even see him running routes today. Like, you watch him on TV sometimes. He can still play.
0: He can still play. (laughs) Chuck (laughs) Chuck him out. Get him out there. there. (laughs) That's it. Um, So, do you want to talk about our next uh, shortlisted finalist, if you will?
1: Yeah. So, we have a member of the San Francisco Giants, an MLB superstar in Barry Bonds. Mm -hmm. Now, he's arguably one of the greatest uh, baseball players of all time, but had some controversy in which we'll get into in a second. But, He's a fourteen-time All-Star. He's a seven-time National League MVP. He won Insane. eight Golden Gold Glove awards um, and had seven hundred and sixty-two career home runs, and the most home runs in a single season.
0: So both of those are still the record uh, in the uh, in baseball um, with the seven sixty-two career home runs, seventy-three home runs in a single season, and they're records that are going to be so hard to touch in the future. Uh, it's going to be really hard for someone to even try to match those records. Now, a lot of people say the reason he did get those records was due to the scandals. Now, did you want to talk about the scandals at all?
1: Yeah, maybe we should just touch on it briefly. So, in about, I think it was, they sort of alleged that around the 2000s, 2000 to 2003 to sort of 2007, um, he was sort of charged as such. With um, the alleged use of steroids, um, which mm-hmm. was actually a big thing amongst athletes among all sports in San Francisco at the time, I believe that one of um, San Francisco's trainers was giving out um, supplements to to different athletes. And I wouldn't say it's like the Essendon Bombers situation um, that we saw in Australia, but yeah, just it's put a real big like it's a if on his career that he didn't really need. And that's what's contributed to his snubbing of the Baseball Hall of Fame.
0: Yeah, definitely. And um, so what's your opinion on steroids and whether they uh, can deny someone the ability to be in the Hall of Fame?
1: I think it's really difficult. Um, I I really struggle to sort of argue either way. Um, on one hand, you've got, you know, this guy, he... Arguably wouldn't have been as good if he took these steroids, if he had these supplements. Um, and then on the other hand, he was a great player. Um, how much contribution do the steroids actually have to how he played?
0: It's, a, it's an interesting conversation to have because baseball is a very technical game. It's one of those games where you need to hit the ball in the right spot. It's not just about how strong you are. So he's very talented in that respect, but this strength that he could pull off to get the ball over the fence so many times where it would fall short for other players, that's probably what contributed a lot to that home run totals. Now, a lot of other people at the time were doing steroids. They were rampant through baseball in that period. So it's very much a conversation of, well, if everyone's doing it, does he deserve to be snubbed when he succeeded far above everyone else despite because we always talk about steroids as the level playing field is it it's it's making an uneven play, playing field but if everyone's doing steroids is it then uneven uh when comparing in the professional leagues yes it's still a bad thing yes we should still outlaw them in the game but when comparing his performance to his peers um I think it still deserves merit. And I think the biggest thing uh, that I consider when I'm talking about Hall of Fame and whenever I'm having a discussion about if a certain player should make the Hall of Fame, it's something I've heard around a few people mentioned before, but can you tell the story of the sport without that player? And I think that always should dictate the Hall of Fame. Because the Hall of Fame is famous. The fame is famous. It should be the people who have influenced the game the most. Not necessarily the players who are the best. Obviously, the players who are the best will rise to the cream. But... It's the players who have. you can't tell the story of the game without them. And for him having the career home run record and the single season home run record, you cannot tell the story of Major League Baseball. You cannot tell the story of professional baseball in the United States without Barry Bonds. I think he should have been in the Hall of Fame.
1: Yeah, well, so he's lost his eligibility now for the Hall of Fame. Um, He didn't get that 75% of votes required. He only got that 66 But despite that, there's still a small chance that he'll be eligible for induction. Um, basically how that works is it's a thing called a veterans committee um, and 16 members are on that um, and that he needs 12 votes for induction. Yeah. So it's sort of a last a last hurrah and you'll see that in December of this year, December of 2022. So the story might not be over yet, um, but I'm sure that it'll be more, more of a conversation come that time.
0: For sure, for sure. Uh, now we get into our discussion. There's two players who we need to talk about. I think anyone who knows San Francisco football and baseball will, sorry, football and basketball will know who we're talking about.
1: They will indeed, and we touched on Stephen Curry as an icon before previously, um, but he is one of our finalists. Um, son of Hornets legend Del Curry, he was drafted seventh overall in 2007 by the Golden State Warriors. Now, this was actually pretty controversial at the time, as the Minnesota Timberwolves selected Ricky Rubio and Johnny Flynn fifth and sixth before Steph Curry. They needed a point guard, and they picked wrong not once, but twice. Oh, boy.
0: (laughs) Oh, boy. You always talk about those teams that miss on the generational talent, especially when they're picking the same position. One that comes to mind recently is Mitch Trubisky uh, with uh, Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes coming uh, after him. Uh, it's a big whiff, isn't it?
1: It is, and especially when it's a what-if when it happens twice. You know, they they it, you sort of could make the argument that Steph Curry could have been the home run and Johnny Flynn was the safe pick, but they went for Ricky Rubio, that... Spanish player overseas that they were a bit unsure about. And then Johnny Flynn is a safe pick. But Stephen Curry, it wasn't like he wasn't putting up numbers um, playing for Davidson, that small school. I actually remember um, a moment where they double teamed him the entire game. And the coach after the game said, look, you guys lost. And he said, yeah, but Stephen Curry didn't score a point. They literally double teamed him for the entire <laughs> game. And this that probably... didn't want to get embarrassed. That's it. And this probably uh, signaled what would happen for the rest of his career, I suppose.
0: Yeah, for sure. So, Steph Curry, three-time NBA champion, two-time most valuable player, including the amazing, uh, unanimously voted MVP. The first time in NBA history and the only time in NBA history.
1: Yeah, look, that was a fantastic season. Um, the Warriors... Finished with this record of seventy-three and nine to break that Bulls record. Um, he was just fantastic, but yeah, they couldn't get the job done against the Cavaliers this year. I'm probably going to leave it at that because I'm a bit salty about that. You know, blowing that three-one lead.
0: The statement of the year. The Sol-ty. memes still haunt yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> three and one. But yeah, you it, Adam, three and one. Uh, You're on the ropes. I don't want to, don't want to dig up the past too do you much. Say? But oh boy. It was it was very entertaining as a as a bipartisan fan to watch the uh, watch that incredible comeback and the all the moments in Game Seven. Um, well, I can touch on it briefly,
1: and this is me being salty. All right, look, I I acknowledge I'm probably salty, but Draymond Green doesn't get that technical foul. The Warriors win. Draymond sorry Andrew Bogut doesn't get injured. The Warriors probably win. There's a lot of what ifs. Um, Scott Foster. I'm not going to say he rigged that series, but, you know, I think they wanted the Cavs to win. <laughs> but, yeah, no, all, all biased and, and me being How's salty apart.
0: Does tinfoil hat, is it is it too tight around your head or mm. what's Look, going man, on with that?
1: There must be a lot of people uh, with those tinfoil hats <laughs> that agree with me because uh, I see a lot of... Uh, a lot of conspiracies about that final series, let me tell you.
0: I would love to hear all these conspiracies. At Road Trip Sports Pod, find us on all the socials. <laughs> I want to hear all about it and I want to have a good laugh. So send them right my way. I'll respond to every single one of them.
1: Yeah, so touching on from more of Steph Curry's achievements as a basketball player for the Warriors, he's an eight-time NBA All-Star. He actually won his first ever... NBA All-Star Game MVP, the Kobe Bryant trophy, which was actually actually happened today, um, a fair few hours ago now, but wasn't that huge? 16 three-pointers in one game.
0: Incredible. Incredible. That- How do you stop it? <laughs> you don't. You don't. <laughs> you don't. <laughs> He's proven time and time again. You you put whatever Obstacle in his way, he's just going to drain them. Doesn't matter how far back he is, if he's at the logo, if he's at halfway, he's going to drain these shots. He's he's incredible. It's something that we've never seen before, and I don't know if we'll see again.
1: I think there's an unmatched confidence as well to be able to pull up from thirty five feet and to turn to someone and look them straight <laughs> in the eyes before the ball goes in the hoop. And every time he does it, he must have like a sixth sense. Like every time he does it, he doesn't miss. Like, he may do it a couple of times where he misses, but majority of the time, he just turns, stares him in the eye, and it just goes in.
0: He's just... When he gets hot, when he gets that streak going, there's no stopping him. He is untouchable. Now, he's a four-time All-NBA first team, two-time All-NBA second team, All-NBA third team, uh, two-time scoring champion, steals leader. Uh, He's in the (laughs) 50-40...
1: Just keep going on, I guess, mate. Look,
0: how big is... in, in case just inner workings, Ollie's written all the stats for these. Um, you know, do we run out? Of, are we going to run out of paper soon?
1: I just had. I I wanted Harrison to read out every single one of these. Uh,
0: two-time <laughs> NBA three-point contest champion, all rookie team, uh, all rookie first team. He's on the seventy-fifth anniversary team. Is there anything you've left off? I think I could find. Do you more get of- his um? Do you get his like little league trophies in there or? Look, mate, I think
1: I could find more. We could go back to his college days. But nonetheless.
0: Incredible. Steph Curry,
1: greatest shooter of all time. I'm calling it right now. Um, I think there was some debate before he broke that um, all-time NBA career three-pointers record um, as to whether it was Reggie Miller, Ray Allen, or Steph Curry. But the fact that he's broken that record in 500 less games than those guys
0: um, is just ridiculous. It's unmatched. Unmatched. So, Steph Curry, it's a big list, but this is a heavyweight fight, and I've got I've got my Mike Tyson in my corner. I've got the legendary, the icon, Joe Montana, Joe Cool. Joe Montana, for those who don't know, former San Francisco 49ers quarterback in the 80s. Uh, before Tom Brady, probably before Tom Brady won all his recent Super Bowls, Uh, Joe Montana was the greatest quarterback of all time. There is still the argument to be made. It's starting to slim. The more Super Bowls Brady won, uh, the more that argument start to wane. But he's a four-time Super Bowl champion. He's a three-time Super Bowl MVP. A two-time most valuable player in the NFL. Offensive player of the year. Comeback player of the year. Yeah, uh, three-time first team All-Pro. And that's in an era with so many good quarterbacks. They're Elways, Marinos, Boomer Esiason. They had Jim Kelly was around then. So many good quarterbacks. And this guy won every single award you could put in front of him. He was an icon for San Francisco.
1: Do you know what's the icing on the cake for me? Is the fact that he was picked in the third round. And the end of the third round at that, like... To be picked in the third round and to think you're going to get arguably one of the greatest, I think he's top two, greatest NFL quarterbacks of all time. Look, I just think home run hit, greatest one of the greatest players of all time, and look, he, he was able to be inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and usually that says enough about a guy, but he had so many individual moments.
0: Oh, my goodness. Joe Montana is the king, and I think... Anything you say about Joe Montana, you can say about Tom Brady, but Joe Montana is the king of the two minute drill. He's the king of getting his team from one end of the field all the way to the other, leaving no time for the other team and scoring that icy cold touchdown. Incredible. And we're going to get into moments soon, but the catch, the drive, there's a reason those moments, they don't call, you don't have to explain them. You just say the catch. The drive, and you know exactly what we're talking about. You can picture it in your mind of that man surgically pulling apart defenses. He didn't just throw bombs. He there was the drive. He did not get a third down on that drive. He he went down the field in a Super Bowl, ice cold, scored the game winner, didn't even let him get to third down. This man is the icon of San Francisco. Look, it's, it's a hard,
1: it's a very hard case to be made for both guys. Um, I think, uh, to, to Joe Montana's credit, he was just, as you mentioned, always able to get it done in the clutch. Um, one of my favorite moments of Joe Montana is when he beat your Dolphins.
0: Um, yeah, we're going to get into that talk. I, I still need a couple of minutes to get my thoughts together for that one. We're going to get into that talk when we talk about moments. Um, but... Uh, we're going to announce the winner and the uh, moments shortly, but I'm going to play dirty. Yeah, the Golden State Warriors have only just moved from Oakland to San Francisco, so you can only count the last three years of Steph Curry.
1: Can you? Joe th-
0: Montana is the icon of San Francisco. <laughs> See,
1: the thing about <laughs> got the, him. But the thing about the Golden State Warriors, though, to to counter that is that it's it's the whole. It's San Francisco, it's Oakland, it's San Jose, it's that whole Bay Area. And that is why you can argue that he had such a... Steph Curry's had such a greater influence on such a larger area. Um, You know, the San Francisco 49ers challenging the Oakland Raiders. Oakland weren't a fan of Joe Montana. In fact, they probably actually hated him. You know, they didn't want to see him succeed. Um, But, you know, you've got that support for Steph Curry from Oakland and so many surrounding areas um, but look, <laughs> they're, they're different sports, um, and I think both top five of of their sports. And look, Joe Montana, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, and I think probably doesn't get enough credit.
0: Yeah, I think it's probably the hardest icon chat we're going to have to have because most cities there's a there like there's good players in every sport, but there's like a clear this guy is it. This is probably going to be the hardest chat we'll have because they're so ingrained in their team's culture that it's hard to separate the player from the team. The greatest errors of both of these teams have been led by these players. They're leaders in the locker room. They're icons of the sport. They're the people for so long. Everyone wants to be Joe Montana. Everyone right now wants to be Steph Curry. When we say icon, we sometimes throw it around too much. But these guys are true icons, not just of San Francisco, but of the sport. So, I think either way we go, we're going to annoy some people. We may get it wrong in your eyes. But I think because we've had such a big discussion, we're going to leave it down to the fans this week.
1: Yeah, we're going to have to. I think even when we're talking about this, you sort of think, you sort of even may even hear us just sort of not stumbling on our words but we're really trying to think of things to say about these guys because nothing that we can say can project them as to how big of an influence they had on San Francisco the surrounding areas but even their own sport Steph Curry the game of basketball Joe Montana that two-minute drill just iconic
0: and I think if you're not especially Joe Montana some uh, someone who is so uh, he, he's now a bit older now uh, people coming through may not be as aware. Make sure you check out So our moments that we're going to talk about soon. will be up on our TikTok. We're going to post both of them this week because they've both had such a big impact. Uh, we're going to post both of them. Make sure you check out those uh, moments videos because that sort of gives you a big picture of the status that they hold in San Francisco. Now, the winner of the poll. And... I don't know if this speaks to a recency bias or not. I think not, it does. But the winner of the poll, 67% Steph Curry, 33% Joe Montana, 0% for other.
1: Yeah, I think that's probably... I think we've hit the nail on the head with our finals this week, Then I think this is our first first uh, icon when we haven't had that other. So maybe everyone's sold on Curry Curry v. Montana.
0: I think so. I think so. So... Ollie, being the Steph Curry fan, being the Golden State Warriors fan, do you want to take us through the top five most iconic Steph Curry moments? Take it away.
1: I envision this will be like choosing my favorite child. But, um, yeah, look, my top five moments. We'll start off with number five. Um, 12 threes in a game, and he's game winner against the Thunder in overtime. So he pulls up from half court, hits that, wins the game. Absolutely huge. Yeah, number
0: incredible.
1: four. Number four now is when he won his first MVP in 2015. Now, it's sort of hard to incorporate this into individual moments, but he had such a good year that year, um, winning, uh, well, bringing the Warriors their first championship, sort of putting them on the map, um, making the Warriors in Golden State a destination for free agents, really.
0: Especially winning an MVP in an era where there were such dominant players winning those MVP awards. LeBron was still around, and some people can argue that he's the MVP every year he plays. Uh, Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, there's so many great players. For Steph Curry to stand out among the rest that year um, was a testament to how great a year he truly had.
1: Yeah, so my number three most iconic Steph Curry moment actually happened this year is when he broke the record for the most threes by a player in NBA history. And as I said earlier, 500 games less than anyone else.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Unreal. Um, you talk about greatest shooters and there's guys who come close, but I don't think anyone anyone can top Steph Curry anymore. He's, he's the greatest shooter of all time.
1: Yeah, and once again, we touched on it a bit earlier, but my number two moment was Steph Curry's first ever... Steph Curry's MVP, but the first ever unanimous MVP in NBA history. Ridiculous. Huge. What else can you say about it? Absolutely iconic.
0: We haven't chatted about this before the pod. It's a real testament to how truly dominant he was that year. There was no touching him. He was pulling up from everywhere in the court. And you just know every time you turned on a Warriors game, Steph Curry was going to drop 30 points, uh, a billion three-pointers. Um, You just knew he was going to take over a game every time you turned on the television.
1: Yeah, on insane efficiency too, that 50% field goal, 40% three and 90% free throw, that illustrious 50-40-90 club. So ridiculous there. So my top moment, um, once again, hard to choose, but as a Warriors fan, it was when Steph Curry brought the first title to Golden State for many, many, many years Um, That was in 2016, and that was capped off by beating LeBron James and the Cavs. The first
0: of the the quadrilogy. Uh, Four straight, wasn't it? That's
1: right, yes. So, Just amazing stuff from Stephen Curry and the Warriors there.
0: Yeah, fantastic. Well, we'll get into Joe Montana's moments now. Uh, So the number five moment was Montana's first Super Bowl win versus the Bengals. Uh, Joe Montana led them to that win. Uh, in the fourth moment was another Super Bowl win I'll give you a hint there's going to be a lot of them in this list uh, the fourth moment was the 55-10 to 10 win over John Elway and the Denver Broncos in Super Bowl 24 to beat a team like the Denver Broncos led by John Elway 55-10 to 10. let's just rub it in <laughs> that's incredible you think
1: you're one of the best quarterbacks of all time John Elway no sir <laughs>
0: Uh, number three moment was the Marino-Montana duel in Super Bowl nineteen. Now, unfortunately, as a sad Dolphins fan, the only time Marino would make the Super Bowl. And it was an incredible game. Uh, Montana did get the best of the Dolphins and Marino that day, uh, taking out Super Bowl nineteen. Number two, mentioned it before, the catch. NFC Championship game. Dallas Cowboys San Francisco 49ers the two icons of that era arguably the two greatest NFC teams of all time Uh, sorry to (laughs) not mention your Packers there (laughs) but 14 play 83 yard drive in the final moments of that game hits Dwight Clark in the back of the end zone in the NFC Championship game and that place went wild it was in the old Candlestick Park that place went crazy
1: Yeah, what else can I say? It's arguably the greatest and most memorable moment in NFL history. That huge drive. um, And it sort of of represented the end of the Cowboys' domination in the NFC since the conference's inception in 1970.
0: Yeah, for sure, for sure. And the number one moment, Joe Cool. The drive against the Cincinnati Bengals in the Super Bowl. Lined up under center with three minutes and four seconds left. They were on their own eight-yard line. He orchestrated absolutely brilliant drive. Only one-third down on the drive, which means he cut them apart. They knew what was coming. They knew the pass was coming, and he still cut them apart. He went eight for nine. for uh, It was 97 yards and a touchdown on that drive absolutely incredible and it ended up with a completion to john taylor in the end zone for a 20 to 16 lead that was final that was the win What an incredible game. What an incredible drive by the master of the two minute drill. Now you may have seen the final moments of the drive in our uh, video on our TikToks, which is our uh, teams to have never won a super bowl. Unfortunately for the Bengals, they lined up against the 49ers one, two too many times in the eighties and uh, couldn't get it done. And unfortunately couldn't get it done in the recent super bowl. This is our first podcast we've recorded post super bowl. Um, um, unfortunately, the Bengals couldn't get it done again. They dropped to zero and three in Super Bowls. Thought I just mentioned that uh, quietly on the side, um, but yeah, Joe Montana, absolutely incredible, incredible player, and four Super Bowls and an NFC Championship make up his top five moments. He got it done when it counted.
1: Yeah, as you said, whenever you've got uh, moments named after you or the catch, the drive, it's just insane and for people to be able to recognize and to know what you're talking about when you say those moments or you say those words, it's just huge. And that just uh, adds to his icon status with the San Francisco
0: 49ers. For sure. Well, we're going to quickly get into a mailbag. We're running low on time. uh, So we're going to get straight into it. First question was from Joe from Newcastle. How far are the Warriors from winning a championship and will it be this year?
1: I think it, I think there's certainly a possibility. Um, And I think the reason how I know this um, and I think the reason why I think the Warriors as an organisation know this is because they didn't make any moves at the trade deadline. They're an aggressive team. If they think they've got the tools to win or if they don't think they've got the tools to win, rather, they'll go out and get a guy, go out and get that centre. There was a lot of teams were selling this year. Um, A lot of teams are also buying, but they just... Didn't need any pieces, according to Bob Myers, and he's one of the best GMs um, in the NBA. So I trust him. I think they've got the pieces. Um, they've got a couple of guys that are coming back from injury. Draymond Green's missed some time this year, um, and they've really suffered because of that. But when they had a full team, um, they're one of the league's best, and I think they're I think they're pretty close, Joe.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think they're uh, they're one of that top teams. Uh, one of the teams likely to be in consideration towards the end. Now, uh, we've got Jack from Cameron Park. Uh, what's your favourite memory as a Warriors fan? So,
1: I've touched on the five moments earlier in the championships and all that sort of stuff, but one moment that I haven't mentioned is Clay Thompson's 37 points in a quarter. Absolutely huge. That's the record for most points in a quarter. Did it against the Kings and just drilled three after three after three after three. And you thought Steph Curry's performance was good today in the All-Star game? Go back and check that one out.
0: Yeah, insane. Clay Thompson is very underrated playing on the same team as Steph Curry. He's also one of the greatest shooters of all time. And to to get those two players on the same team um, has been proven to be very dangerous uh, for opposition teams. Uh, Now, we've got one more question before we finish up today. It's Daz from CM. Uh, Should Nick Bosa have gotten any votes for Comeback Player of the Year?
1: My answer is yes. Um, Joey Burrow got 28 votes. Dak Prescott got got 21. I think that award and that head nod to him for sort of coming back from that gruesome leg injury, um, I think they sort of had in mind that he was a candidate for it. I think the award was nearly given to him before the season even started, but just because Joey Burrow had such a great year, I think he deserved it in the end.
0: Yeah, I think... It's hard because the the Comeback Player of the Year is such a narrative-driven award. There's no criteria for it. Like, MVP is the best player. Offensive uh, Player of the Year is the best offensive player. Comeback Player of the Year, it can be anything from someone being injured to someone just being not as good and being better the next year. So it's hard to determine what makes a comeback player of the year and I think there wasn't the narrative there for Nick Bosa. I agree. And while he got all those sacks, he wasn't being talked enough about enough to get those votes. Did he play well enough to get those votes? Probably. Yeah. Did he have the narrative associated? Did he have the story? There wasn't the story there in such a story driven award. I don't think that uh I don't think he was ever going to get any votes. Yeah, I mean, he would have had to have done a lot to get votes for it.
1: Yeah, I mean he had that those 15 and a half sacks and led the league in tackles. Um, and you could argue that, you know, as a QB, you're, you're primarily dependent upon your arm. And we even saw Philip Rivers play with a completely torn ACL. Um, and that's not to diminish the year that Burrow or Dak had, but it goes to show that if you're not a running quarterback, you can play the position without too much stress on your knees or on your legs.
0: Yeah, I... Um, it is hard, though, because... Obviously, ACL injury is still very impactful, um, but I think I think Burrow is definitely a very well deserving recipient.
1: Yeah, not nothing to take away from Burrow. I think, um, as you mentioned before, it's it's a narrative thing. I'm not going to say Burrow shouldn't have won the award, but should Bosa got to, have gotten a vote? Yes, I think he should have.
0: All right, well, that's it for the podcast today. Thank you so much for listening. It's been a great episode. I've really loved in uh, talking about San Francisco, talking about our shared experiences there, being a place we've both visited. Uh, if you've enjoyed the podcast, make sure to let us know on all the socials. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Road Trip Sports Pod. You can find us on YouTube. Road Trip Sports Podcast is what you have to search there. Uh, you can add any inquiries, uh, like we mentioned at the start, any inquiries, voice recordings, uh, stories you'd like to tell us. We'd love to get your stories on the podcast. Uh, We love the segment we did last week with the Sydney having people's thoughts on the ICON debate. So if you've got any thoughts when we post who our ICON finalists are on the socials, make sure to let us know because we'd love to hear from you. It's going to be a great chat next week. We're going uh, to stay in Australia again and we're going to a city down south.
1: Yeah, we're travelling to Melbourne and I'm super excited about this one um, because we're able to talk about AFL, NRL, Australian sports again. But um, as we talked about last week, we're able to sort of travel uh, two hours or um, jump on a plane and and head down to Melbourne to go and watch a game. So we've got plenty of experiences there.
0: Um, It's going to be interesting as well because one of the um, experiences we've actually been to together in Melbourne. Yes. uh, I don't know how many people would agree that it is a sport, but uh, it's close enough. They call it sports entertainment. We'll take it. We watched the wrestling uh, at the MCG, so I'm sure we're going to talk about that next week. Um, And if you remember from when we first tried to start the podcast, we had a bit of content about that. So we might uh, see if we can get some of that old content back and revisit some little clips and snippets from that as a little bit of a fun segment. Uh, If you'd like to hear that, make sure to let us know and uh, stay tuned for next week. Uh, Thank you very much. I've been Harrison Cook. This has been Oliver Gilmore. Thanks so much for listening.
1: See ya.